Well, hello there and welcome to another episode of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Today, I'm speaking to Dan Adams. Now, Dan is a relatively new friend of mine. He's the chairman of New England Network Solutions, a Lowell, Massachusetts-based MSP, and he's also the founder of Upskill, a media and e-learning service for IT professionals. We're going to talk to, to Dan today not only about managed services, but also IT professional growth as well. I'm really excited to speak to this man. Dan, welcome to Talk. Thank you, Richard. Honored to be here. Oh, and we were just saying before we came on air, we've had to do a bit of wrangling between the two of us with our busy diaries <laughs> to get to the point where we can speak to one another as well, haven't we? So I appreciate yes. the patience, but I think the audience are going to uh, appreciate that patience as well, because uh, having spoken to you a few times in other other mediums and that, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. As as well, Richard, we should spend less time at the hairdressers and more time working uh, working and working to get together. <laughs> Let, let's jump straight in on that um, follically challenged note there. Let's. So I, I'll give you a, a quicker background for the listeners there. But before we talk about your latest endeavor, I want to understand a little bit more about your background in managed services as a whole. And you're probably best to say your evolving role at New, in, New England Network Solutions. So give us a bit more on that. Yeah, well, um, I started out in the IT industry at a small company called Novell many, many years ago, um, <laughs> back when dinosaurs ruled the earth. And uh, I'm also a musician. And so there was a draw for me to continue my education. The only place I wanted to go to really was in Boston called Berkeley College of Music. So in that process, I uh, after working at Novell for, for a big chunk of time, I was on the team that actually put Max on uh, PC networks. So I was on the team that released uh, 215C for those old dinosaurs who might be listening. <laughs> and, uh, you know, back then it was just basically DOS. You were connecting DOS workstations together. So to get Max on and then the next team I was on was Portable Network, which tied Unix in. Um, came out to continue education in the Boston area and started a, an IT services company way, way back then. And it really started out of uh, frustration that the current VAR I was working for was just pushing boxes. And so from that, you know, early, early on, uh, from the start, I mean, this was before Windows for Workgroups, before really Windows NT, OS, OS2, all this stuff, really before that. And so I was fortunate enough to kind of be at the birth of networking and integration of systems uh, to the to the business world. There's going to be some of our younger listeners, dare I say, there. That's going to be like, <laughs> what are they talking about? So uh, let's let's do a little bit of a, a backtrack there. Novell Netware, of course. I've been in the industry. I I am uh, or had what's called the CNA. Certified Novell Administrator qualification. Administrator, yes. Administrator. And, and, I didn't quite get the engineer, the CNE. Yeah. But some of our um, more mature, more experienced listeners will be getting a, a kick out of some of the uh, technology we're throwing around there. But it really was, wasn't it? It was the the birth of networking as we know now. We've got TCP IP now. Back then, I can remember okay. IPX, SPX, and Net, NetBuoy. And NetBuoy prior to that, right? I actually put Apple Talk cards into PCs. And you used a phone line between them, an RJ11 between them. And that's, you know, the old days before it even moved towards Ethernet when you had ArcNet and all the other stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I started before the Internet was even connected to anything. I started before TCP IP exists, before email was a thing, before DaVinci Mail and all these other CC Mail and these other programs came out. The only things you could put on a network back then are WordPerfect. And Lotus One Two Three, and those were really the only two applications that existed um, in a network environment. Well, I was going to say, for the benefit of our listeners, we always put together show notes for these shows <laughs> where we include all the cutting edge modern links and Gudrun, who does uh, amazing work behind the scenes putting together the show notes. Gudrun's going to have a challenge here because she's going to have to dip into the <laughs> history of computing, and she's exactly. going to Novell, Novell Net what now? Yeah, uh, that, but we'll we'll put some historic links in there. I, I will do that personally, um, yeah. so that younger listeners can understand what the heck we're talking about. But but Dan, so building on from that, you know, I mentioned your revolving role at uh, New England Network yeah. Solutions, which is your MSP. Tell us about how that sort of grew to there then. So, so basically, when you start off as a as a solopreneur, as you know, as an individual, I, I was going to college 
classes. And then in between them, I had a beeper and a, and a stack of coins. And I was, you know, using payphone um, to call clients in between classes. And then I take the subway down and pop in and, and do support work. And so really I was everything um, and started at the very bottom level. And then the company now is, is, is gone through phases, but now there's over 50 people, right? There's a CEO, there's a, there's a, a separate president and I'm no longer involved in the day-to-day. So what's happened is I've been able to be involved in the evolution of an MSP or an IT service provider, even back then, even you know, a support company. We've we've gone through different iterations, and pretty much have worn every hat in the organization, and have had to transfer every hat in the organization off. So now I am just the chairman. So I do not have day to day responsibilities in the organization, and it's still growing. I mean, we're you know. It, close to 20% clip, at least on an annual basis, still just doing phenomenally well. So it's a, it's a unique spot. Many offers to sell and exit, but no, that's not what we're doing at this time. Mm. Do you know, uh, given your backgrounds with HTG, Evolve, uh, whichever name we want to, okay, do you know a mutual friend called Eric Thorsell at all? No, I do not know, Eric. The, re- the reason I bring that up, so long-time listeners to the show, uh, it reminds me I had a great conversation with Eric, and he's in a very similar situation to you where he'd migrated from tech to CEO <laughs> to chairman and going through. And, and so for the benefit of listeners, I'll say, if you are interested in what that journey looks like, first of all, t- first of all check out the uh, interview with Eric Thorsell on some sort. But secondly, Dan, perhaps we could get you back in the future just to talk about what that looks like as well. I would be that would be great because I will tell you there's a backside to that. If you associate and your ego is tied to being a tech, mm-hmm. which mine was, I had a huge cape and tights and I could solve anything. But as you move off, you have to start giving those tech hats away and focus on other things. And it can really hurt your sense of uh, self and who you are. And you're and you're moving away from that, which you already do extremely well and are sought out for into areas where you're not as strong and it can beat your ego up aggressively. So I would be honored to come back because that that transformation alone is is worthy of of, of a bit of time. Absolutely. And, and I can tell you, just as a side note, I've spoken to so many uh, peers of mine, friends of mine, close friends of mine who have sold their MSPs and then sort of floundered a little bit with what to do with the second <laughs> stage of their life, which is another aspect of what we're talking yes. about here. So yes, perhaps sir. that's a com- conversation for another day. We'll have to get you back on the podcast to talk about that, Dan. Would but be great. Where, where I want to focus on today is we've talked about you know New England Network Solutions. We talked about your career in the IT industry, you've just released your latest book, which is called The Tech Nerd's Guide to Career Success, Seven Proven Lessons to Unlock Your Growth in an IT Services Company. You were kind enough to reach out to me, offer me like a a pre-release copy of it uh, to take a look at, and it is a wonderful book, Dan. So I've got to say that up front. I'd highly recommend all the listeners go and check that out. But tell us what led to you writing this book? Well, like we just we just kind of talked about where you're going through this transformation as an owner and what are you going to do? As chairman, I get to sit in and on the executive meetings and the high level meetings, but it's different when you are running or you have a responsibility. Every time there's a problem, you kind of get punched in the gut because I have to solve it. Mm -hmm. I have to solve it. I've been able to step back and say, okay, what's really going on here? What's the dynamic? Why are the mid-level managers seeing things different than the employees? And why are the executives having? So you start seeing these tiers and these layers. And it, it gave me some incredible insight that I, to step back, it was just amazing. So I started seeing these patterns happen. And then the second part is, is if you've been around HTG Evolve or any other peer group, uh, you'll hear Arlen or others talk about the journey of the owner and they get to the end of the rainbow or closer to the end of the rainbow. And they start to see that where their business and what they hoped it was going to be for them doesn't it isn't that pot of gold or it isn't that happy ending they were hoping to get. So with that in my mind as well as seeing employees, because for every owner, there's a dozen or so 
employees that have that same arc where in their career they get to a point they start realizing I may not achieve everything that I was hoping for or I may not have. So I started realizing there was some information that was just really missing and some insight that was missing to what was really going on that would benefit owners, benefit leaders, and even benefit every service employee in the organization. And at that point, it became a crusade. It became something that I felt like, oh my gosh, there's too many incredible people that you feel your heart bleeds. These guys have, I mean, you know, if you've been in the industry with anybody and you struggle through any things, you bloody your knuckles quick and you become brothers and sisters real, real fast and you want to see them succeed. And that's really what this is. This is a passion project to help others kind of get a, a jump ahead and have greater success by knowing where the targets really are. We should explain the book itself. So it offers some really strong practical advice. And it's in a parable <laughs> story style form. Yes, we follow Marty, a tech, on his career within an MSP. There's so much I want to dig into. But the first question I want to ask, was Marty based on anyone in particular? <laughs> so every mistake that Marty makes, I have made personally in space. <laughs> so... Um, the, the process was interesting because the first book I wrote was not for public consumption. It was a tech manual. It was bloody. It was, it was hard. It was, it was detailed. It was chock full of things that, that help, but it was not in a consumable format. And so I realized I'd written more about training and, and guidance in the book and I had to step back and I had an editing team um, that engaged with me and said, OK, we need to think about this differently. And so they're the ones that forced me down the metaphor route. I was going down the cold, dry manual route and it wasn't going to get anywhere. So they're the ones that beat me up. They're the ones that it said, OK, you need to draw from experiences. And that's what really happened. The two core people you have in this book are Marty and then Chip, who is the mentor. And. Uh, unfortunately, I, every, yeah, every mistake Marty makes, I own and every MSP owner, unfortunately, and leaders probably owned them too. I, it's, I, I've done nothing unique. These are things we all do. And that's why it's applicable, I believe. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons the book really struck a chord with me when I read it was exactly what you say. I've said about, you know, before we came on air, you and I were saying we've been doing this a long time. Uh, I think it's about 20 years I've been in the managed service industry as technician, as an owner, and now what I'm doing. Um, when people ask me what I do nowadays, I say, oh, it's really simple. I just share all of the mistakes that I made to help <laughs> other people avoid them. And I said, and trust me, there's an infinite source of content there. Uh, just yes, coming out of that. So the book struck a chord with me because I saw so many things that I did not only as an engineer, but got frustrated with engineers as an MSP owner. Yeah. And the book, I think, really connects almost the disconnect between what an engineer thinks they're there to do and what an MSP owner wants them to do. Um, tell us a little bit more about how you see that disconnect in your experience as chairman, as MSP owner, and as an engineer in the past. I think that's, that's really the, the big thing we talk about as an individual matures. So we could take the plight of the owner, we can take the plight of the manager or the employee. Each of these have their own arcs as they as they mature and go forward. But the problem is, is, is you is you're approaching a problem or approaching something you need to learn, you see it from one angle. And so you understand it from that side. And then once you get in it, you understand it from that side. But then as you have to exit it and you look back at it, you view it differently again. So there's there's really a metamorphosis multiple times through each of the things we go through um, that, 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 that each one can be a hang up that can stop us from moving on to the next point. And so if you if you're involved in a peer group or you're involved, if you have a mentor or somebody and you're an IT uh, owner, at some point you get slapped upside the head that this is really about being a business. This is about a company. It's not so much about tech support. And so as you start realizing this and you start changing your focus to be more business centric, um, you realize that the people behind you may not be 
business centric and that causes that disconnect. And it's a problem because you now see the game differently than they do. It's not that they're wrong. It's just they don't yet see what the, the next level. And unfortunately, as an owner, there's generally a next level we don't see as well. That's that's I mean, because we're all kind of morphing and, and going through these different stages. And that's a challenge we have. Yeah. I mentioned the style of the book is uh, parable. Um, you yes. know, that, that type of uh, style there. In fact, it reminded me a lot of Bob Berg and John David Mann's seminal work, The Go-Giver, which long-time listeners to the show will, will realise. I mentioned probably every single podcast. It's been <laughs> such an influence on me. Are you familiar with The Go-Giver book, Dan? Was it an influence on what you did here? So I don't want to disappoint you, Richard, but I'm familiar with it, but uh, <laughs> I have not consumed it. Um, oh, it, that is not a book that I have gone through, but the whole concepts and the reason, and this is, you'll show a little bit of my ignorance, but it is my other friends have had this, but, you know, and kind of explain it's something that somehow natively and also with my upbringing and all this stuff, the concept of, you know, karma, what goes around, you know, contributing and, and you just give and give. Um, so I didn't really feel like there was a huge void um, in, in what I was doing and with all the other things I study. And I didn't suck that book through. There's mm. been other books that were, that were, that were, that I was more focused on. But as you said this, yes, the, the, the parable concept was something that I'll be honest, was forced to me by the editors, um, because it's more relatable and it brought me out of my engineering structure into something that, you know, hopefully is a little more approachable and consumable. Well, I think it works incredibly well. And um, I would encourage you. I know being around Arlen Sorensen, a mutual friend of ours, yeah. who, one of the people who connected us, um, you can't hang around Arlen without hearing about the go-giver. Oh, no. It, yes. I, and likewise, I you can't follow, you can't be listening to this show without hearing me talk about Bob Berg <laughs> and the go-giver. I'd encourage you to read it. And I, I think... I, I will do so. And I appreciate it. But but just one of those things that, yeah, just being bluntly honest. And I, when you first threw the questions over, I'll be I'll be honest. There was part of me. It's like, well, maybe I better read that so I don't look like <laughs> ignorant, you know, uh, you know, but I yes, I will. Well, you've got a flight coming up to the UK <laughs> uh, in a few <laughs> weeks time. Let's get a copy of the Go Giver on your uh, Kindle or iPads there and uh, thread on the flight get it done. Uh, in, in about no, you, you'll love it. But let's get back to your book here. Um, I, if I may, without you know giving the book away, uh, everything on air here, I want to go through some of the lessons that you share because you share a number of different lessons that are numbered with uh, our reader that Marty picks up along the way. Yes. Uh, and so I want to delve into some of those because I think they're really powerful. And lesson number one was titled, you're in the game of, of business. And you've already touched upon this here. As a former <laughs> MSP owner, this really struck a chord with me. So can you elaborate a little bit more of what we were talking about, about how engineers think versus how MSP owners think? Because it's all about the business aspects, isn't it? Uh, yeah. At the end of the day, when you start a company, you have aspirations that are tied to their business aspirations. You think, well, it might change my quality of life. I might have an asset. I might be able to be, you know, a chucklehead like me who, you know, can have a business that's giving him money and he's not there day to day. Right. Um, so you have all these, these aspirations and then you have a talent, a skill that you think, okay, I'm going to leverage this skill to, build this business. And the focus goes back to the skill. And you become so engrossed or so, so tied to that, that you forget the business side of it real quick. Mm. And so what happens is you kind of, you know, your day to day of being a tech, being a tech and days just go by, days just go by and you forget about the big picture of what this is. And each of us have to go through this. And until you realize it, you, you're kind of shooting at the wrong target. And you're, you are aiming and you are prioritizing and you are changing your life based on what you believe is most important. And almost everybody in our industry, we put tech first by default. And then we've been bopped on the head a few times and we know, well, wait, customer service is important. We've got to, we've got to talk to the customer. So each of us have those two right hand, left hand fist grabbed around 
customer service and technology, but that doesn't guarantee business success. I mean, we know people that are great customer service, great techs, but their businesses aren't doing well. Mm. So that top rule of at the end of the day, it's got to be business savvy. It's got to be business smart, really has to be our North Star. And tech and customer service and a few other things we might touch on are parts of it. But the North Star is it's a business. Yes. And I think I can give a great example of that that I talk about, I have talked about publicly before, which is uh, when engineers are, of course, they want to help customers. They want to do what's right by the customers. I had an engineer who um, was like a bulldog working on a ticket for a client on <laughs> Windows yeah. mobile issue. So I'm showing, uh, showing age there, Windows mobile doesn't even exist. <laughs> but when I finally got the issue fi- fixed for the client, but when I checked afterwards, the engineer had spent 20 hours working yeah. on this ticket. Um, and I had to pull the engineer to one side and say, well, you know, you did a great job there helping the client. However, do you realize this contract is just not profitable for us? We've made no money this month as a result of you spending 20 hours rather than going down a different avenue, escalating, reaching out to help for vendors. So it's like a, a really stark um, example there, but perhaps a good example of how the engineer feels as though he's got to focus on one thing and the MSP owner needs to put those sort of boundaries in place to make sure it works for everybody. You are so dead on with that. In fact, uh, one of the things in my training I talk about is the services success quadrants. And that it's, it's, we really don't touch on it much in the book. It's more in the training, but that's the idea that there's four key components that are necessary in IT services to succeed. The first one's tech skill. The second one is people skills, right? We've got to get along with somebody. Um, we can't just be a, a great nerd. Well, beyond people skills, the next quadrant is professionalism, right? Uh, am I on time? Do I document? Do I follow up things properly? Do I take ownership? The things that we associate the professional does. And the last one is business acumen or capturing it in a, in a way. That, did I make margin, right? Did, mm-hmm. did I clear any money at the end? Because you can be you can be great tech, you can be great with people, and you can detail your stuff. Everything is professional, but if you don't do it in a way that actually captures margin, then there's no money to get paid, and we all go out of business. So all four of those quadrants have to have skill in them for the business to succeed, and every person can make mistakes in any of those areas that destroy the organization. Absolutely agree. And there's going to be a lot of MSP owners listening to this and saying, yes, this is what I need my engineers to understand, which is <laughs> which is why people, we're, we're, talking. we're speaking with Dan and we're talking about this book because it really does match that disconnect. And following on from that, another lesson that you share um, in the book is uh, titled, Your Competence is Measured Beyond Your Tech Skills. The reason this struck a chord with me, the reason I think this lesson matters, is for a lot of what we've just talked about there. Yes, sir. I have worked with MSP engineers who have been done absolute rock stars. However, they marched to the beat of their own drummer. They were almost arrogant towards clients. You know, the clients are getting in the way of them doing wonderful art with the technology. Or they were brilliant technicians, but had no people skills whatsoever. So talk a little bit more about that lesson. Your competence is measured beyond your tech skills. So this became very clear as I sat in multiple meetings in my own organization at times is is you would see what you just said. You've got a brilliant individual, an engineer, and they're, they're, they're really strong and they hold their worth and the value in that brilliance that's just there. But then if you've had a situation where you've had an engineer who's been banned from a client, mm. um, right? I can't have so-and-so here anymore. Or uh, you, the, you realize the client can't see the technical brilliance because they're not technically brilliant. It takes technical depth to perceive technical depth. But what they can perceive is if you're a professional or not. Right. We all have an assumption of what a professional is. There's expectations. Right. And those go out. Of course, we assume, you know, your craft. But 
we also assume that you follow up, you communicate, that you're 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 detailed, you think ahead, you anticipate all those different things, the de- all those things that we associate with a professional. Now, you can be technically brilliant, but since I really can't see that and the results you produced weren't great, I'm going to measure you on those things beyond technology. And when you don't show those reliably, I can't trust you. I look at you as less of a professional and it has nothing to do with your tech. It has to do with those other three quadrants that we just kind of mentioned of people skills, professionalism, and then business acumen, capturing it. Yeah. And linking into that, my background is in corporate IT and I want to share a story. Early part of the career in corporate IT, um, One of the things I took to the managed service provider industry was I learned standards, processes. I I attribute that corporate IT background to understanding, okay, can this scale? Can it work? You know, but when I was in the middle of that dam and I was an engineer, I was always driving my bosses up the wall because we would use, let's just say, IBM or Lenovo kit or whatever. And I'd say, well, we can get something cheaper here or we can do better. for." for And so that idea of standards and processes was a lesson that I learned the hard way. But as an engineer, I was always looking to do, oh, I can find a better way of doing this. So lesson, I think it's lesson number four in the book, standards and processes accelerate your success. Talk to us a little bit more about that. And just does the lesson that I've shared about corporate IT ring any bells with you? Oh, you're, you're dead on. You're dead on with, with, with how that goes. Um, so that's kind of interesting. When you're in a smaller organization or, you know, you're not in a big pool of engineers and you're good, your pride and your sense of self, once again, is I can figure this thing out. And part of your identity is 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 also the most creative way to figure it out, right? You, you're kind of one-upping everybody. So you're constantly looking to kind of prove that you can figure things out and there's a better way, which is great in so many ways. That drive, that skill, that troubleshooting is essential. But it comes to a point where if it's more than just you, uniformity starts to have a value. Can you imagine? So, so can you imagine being a service manager for the Toyota dealership? Let's just say a car dealership. And when anyone comes to bring you the car, they ask you two questions. Guaranteed. They're going to ask before they hand the key over, they're going to say, how long are you going to have my car? And how much is it going to cost? So now the service manager's success is tied to setting and managing that expectation, cost, and time. And if they're really far off, doesn't matter if they fix it, you're going to be upset. Mm. Now imagine every time a car pulls into the service bay, and let's eliminate every type of Toyota and just stick it to one, because let's just say there's only one type of Toyota. Can you imagine if every time you open up that hood, to look inside or the bonnet, sorry, I apologize for our our, our European listeners, but you open that up and it's different inside that engine compartment. How can you predictably tell them how long it's gonna take and how much is it gonna cost? So at some point you realize that standards and process and efficiency are necessary at scale. And we need to change our creative skills into slightly different areas versus trying to recreate a new car every time yeah and i don't again i don't want to overshare from the book because i want everybody listening to this to go and buy a copy and read it It it's a phenomenal read um but one of the lessons that i took out of that was yeah we might think we're doing what's best for the client but actually (laughs) it's like wow okay you found somewhere better but what does that look like if your colleague then walks up and opens the virtual hood and finds something completely different and as somebody who's just taken my toyota prius into the garage (laughs) i'm glad toyota has got standards and processes for that so let's let's Woo forward with that. Um, lesson number six in the book I read is you are measured based on your results. Now, this sounds so straightforward, but many <laughs> engineers, in my experience, Dan, think that they should be measured on effort, not on results. So how would you help them understand this lesson? 
I think you have to pull it back into something else outside of let's let's look at use a metaphor outside of this to try and understand it a little deeper. It's it, if you go to buy a dozen eggs and you open up the carton, you're expecting a dozen eggs, right? Now, if you bought and paid for a dozen eggs and the carton looks like a dozen eggs and you open up and there's only nine eggs in it when you get back from the store, you're going to get frustrated. And so much of results is about that expectation and what we should be producing. Um, And that's how we're being measured at the end of the day. Unfortunately, they're not going to say, well, you know what, the people at the egg factory or the the chickens or whatever, I, I expected the dozen eggs. I didn't get the dozen eggs. And in our industry or in life, it, it, Outside of the tech side, if we pay for something or we're expecting something and it doesn't get delivered, we have a problem with it. Now, we're emotionally tied to it because I put in effort and I did try and give effort or I did give effort. But on the receiving end, they didn't get what their expectation was. And that's what this is really about. It's not I don't get to interpret what success is. Unfortunately, the person who bought it or the person who's paying for it. It's their version. And that disconnect can make it really frustrating. Um, And we need to be aware of it. It's uh, so powerful. And the reason I would imagine it's later on in the book as one of the lessons is (laughs) it's one of the advanced lessons we need to learn. And again, I've got (laughs) to share a story here, Dan. When I was running, when I was an engineer working within my managed service provider business, we did quite a complex um migration a merger of two different active directories getting you know getting techie here we worked all weekend we worked really really hard and we did it and from that perspective it was awesome do you know what happened when we came in monday morning uh we showed people hey look we've achieved the impossible and we got complaints after complaint after complaint from the end users and why because we'd not migrated their desktops They'd lost all of their photos and things. Now, again, that sounds really silly, and there's going to be some MSPs listening to this and going, oh, I've been there. But a great example, isn't it, of what the expectation of the client and the results that the client expected was different from the effort the engineers put in there. (laughs) Yeah, it's painful. You forget the screensaver, you're you're a dead man. Um, (laughs) There's... Yeah, that's really it. I mean, even though from the first lesson, right, what's the big thing? It's a business, right? And even as you move forward, that expectation and and, and what we're being measured on, we don't get this. We don't get to choose that. It, it's the person who's on the other side who's who's evaluating it. Um, and that's that's a hard. It's a hard. I, I have to be reminded of that all the time. It, it's not something you know. It's we, we're selfish creatures often, as we think because we. I'm inside my head. I'm not inside yours. Right. And so I have my own interpretation and to step outside and look at the bigger picture to constantly do that. Sometimes it's not easy. Yeah, absolutely. And and the final lesson in the book, amazing opportunity is within your grasp. It ends the book on an uplifting note. Can, can you give us any real world examples, Dan, of engineers you've worked with and you've worked with a lot of great ones, but who've really impressed you, really inspired you? I think it's interesting that you find that there's different levels of, I mean, you found some great technical people that just blow your mind on things they're able to do, right? Or some people that have phenomenal people skills and they're just able to put people at ease. And so each of those four quadrant areas, um, I've had experiences where people have just done wonderful things, but the ones that impress me the quite, quite heavily are the ones that go through multiple transformations and are humble enough to accept that there might be something, you know, to what's being said, and then they examine it and they embrace it, and they and they able to to move forward. Um, the engineer who starts to realize that it is a business, and then starts making the changes, and then helps other engineers grow, so the whole team becomes more effective and deliver more. Those are the ones that. that just really impress me because they're not only helping themselves, but they're helping others. And that's, I mean, that's it for me. It's, it's, yeah. it's paying it forward. I, and I think from 
hindsight, I look back on my career and I would absolutely agree with you. The, um, the engineers actually who don't hold the data themselves, who don't hold the knowledge to themselves, who help their colleagues, give them colleagues a lift up. The From the engineer's perspective, you might think, oh, I'm keeping my job safe by keeping the data, the knowledge, the information <laughs> in my head. The reality is you become indispensable by being that guy who lifts up everyone around you, not only with knowledge, but with the way you conduct yourself and that. So, yeah, that's uh, it's a powerful lesson, isn't it? And go ahead, yeah. Dan, sorry. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm nodding with you and agreeing with you. I mean, and, and, and the, the amazing opportunity is this. Every... IT service company is in desperate need of more who can help lift the team and lift performance and raise business results. And I know we default say, well, raise technical results and, and, you know, but, but really the business going first pulls everything else up because as a business grows, it's a vacuum and it needs more talent, more resources, more abilities. There's more levels for opportunity. So once that increases up, it's just there. And so all of us as business owners are looking for that next person who can come in, marshal the group, raise everybody's performance that they're involved with. And that just lifts like a hot air balloon. And we, so we're desperate for these people. We'll sometimes promote people that don't have it in hopes that there might be something there. Yeah. But we are so in need of, and actually it's outside of our industry, in professional services, these skills we're talking about are across. All of us who interact with any other professional, any other service, you start to see the same problems exist there as they do in our industry. Um, It's not unique to us. Even though, yes, we feel we're special, as humans, we kind of have some similar patterns to us. Yeah. So I hope we've given listeners a flavor of the book. And I would say for anybody listening, you know, if anything that we've talked about up until now, any of the lessons that we've shared struck a chord to you, this is going to be a book that you're going to want to check out. And Dan, I can see a lot of MSP owners not only reading and consuming the book, but then perhaps buying it for their engineering team to say, hey, have a read of this. I'm intrigued from your perspective. I know the book has only just been released. In my experience, books like this that are so powerful um, tend to be read by people who sort of already get it to a degree. And the people who need to hear this lesson the most are actually the least likely to read it. Does that make any sense? And, and if so, you know, how, do you, how would you encourage MSP owners to get their engineers to actually take on board these lessons? So, so funny you say that because... Almost everything we do and almost everybody listening to the podcast, I would imagine, is that top person in the organization or pretty high up in the organization. And so I do not believe that trickle down education works. So this book, and I don't want anyone listening to be offended by this, but in truth, was not written for the listener of the podcast right now. Yeah. This was written for every person underneath you because you probably, or I'm going to guess, you, you, these lessons will resonate with you, but you kind of know them because you're running a business. The power comes is when all the other people on the pitch or the field with you know the same rules. Now, instead of you trying to explain it to them in between your crisis and you're running around and you stay billable and all the other stuff, there's just not enough time to get everyone else to understand it if you are the only one left to share it. So the real power and the way this was written was to distribute it everybody. And then you then use that as the catalyst to have conversations. Now, something that we haven't talked about, Richard, but I've also created the manager study guide for the book. Mm. And there is a manager study guide for each of the seven lessons. And it takes you as a leader or a manager through the questions and the team activities that you sit your whole team down. And now you're going to review that first lesson. Okay. In the first lesson, that this is a that it's a business. Let's talk about what Marty saw. Has anyone felt that before? Let's talk about Chip, who is the mentor, his approach. What do we think about this? Now, in our business, where have we seen this? How would we do things differently? So this book becomes a way of getting everybody 
to start thinking more like what we, we say, well, I want you to think like an owner. Well, what does that mean? Well, then you've got to know what these lessons are and let's push it through the entire organization. So you are right on the tip of the iceberg of that, Richard, is really the power of this to help a MSP's business is to get everybody understanding the lessons and then using something like the manager study guide, which is free, um, to leverage those lessons across your organization. Mm. We get a variety of people listening to the show. I know we get engineers listening to it as well as MSP business owners and things. So there's going to be you know a wide variety of people here, but there are going to be some people listening and going... Yeah, this sounds great, Dan. This sounds great, Rick. But I'm a smaller MSP. I've, you know, this is not this sort of jazz is not going to apply to us. You know, we've got let's say less than ten engineers or whatever. What would you say to 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 the nimble MSPs listening about how this book can help them? Um, uh, I love that term nimble because you are at the stage that that really matters. Um, the thing at the smaller scale is everything's on you as the owner, or maybe you're a manager in, a, in you know, you're number two in that organization. And you're going to find that as you scale, these lessons are either going to, you're going to be, you're going to be following them and you're going to scale or you're fighting against them and you can't figure out why you're not scaling. Um, so these, these really are catalysts. And they apply to a 50, 100 person, 200, 500 person IT or service organization. And they expect especially apply to the smaller ones. If, if, you, if you want a business, right? once again, if it's about at the end of the day that you want to have a sustainable quality margin, that the, the business has value um, outside of you just having a busy work, you know, a job, then these lessons matter. Mm. What about for the larger MSPs? So we, I know we've got um, a decent number of MSPs who have got dozens of engineers yep. as well. So perhaps there might be the, the opposite challenge where they just think, hey, that's, I'm so far removed now from that engineering team. So how, how would you recommend this book could help a larger MSP? So it's interesting. And having created training now that has to span the gap, you realize exactly what you're saying, Richard, is, is we all have this perception, you know, well, you know, that's not my problem. I don't have that. You know, that's for those guys. Um, I'm above that or I'm below that. It doesn't fit me. Right. Um, at the end of the day, taking your technical skills and applying them in a way that converts to contributing to business success doesn't matter what size of an organization you're at. At the end of the day, you've got to, if you're in a five-person company, you've got to deliver services in a way that yields a margin, leftover money for the business. If you're in a larger organization, it's still the same thing. Your example of the individual taking 20 hours to do something that could only be billed for an hour or two is applicable if we're in a five-person company or if I'm in a team of 10 in a company of several hundred. The other amazing thing that matters, though, and I think this is critical, and this is this is funny because it's part of the story. Often the individual who has the potential to be your great leader, you have not identified. And it can be someone in the first level tech support. And they're just doing tech support tasks. But all of a sudden now they're aware, wait, this is a business. And this is now margin matters. And, and all of a sudden you'll see this spark. And somebody who really is an entry-level tech has aptitude at an operational level or strategic level, but they just haven't been given the food, the awareness. And all of a sudden you've got stars. In the MSP industry, if you look at the owners, if you look at the leaders, not all of us came from a traditional, I went to business school and all of a sudden we're here. We were a low level tech at some point and our aptitude drew us to a different, different area. This book, Upskill, my company, is all about giving the vitamins and understanding across everybody. So you can, we don't know who's going to sprout, but we know there will be some that sprout. If an owner is only educating the people that they deem the smart one, or they deem their next leader, then 80, 90% of the people on their staff, they are undernourishing, they are undereducating. 
And all you're doing is robbing yourself of the brain power that you we brag about. Our people are our difference, but I only educate two of them. What? <laughs> I've got to give everybody that because I will one of the you know, still being the chairman, I don't want to tip my hat at certain individuals because of political stuff. But I will tell you, there's a couple people that came from the bottom that you look at them and they, their, their hunger and their ability and how they see things. It's like and they're growing and now they've been given promotions and opportunities. It's like that's the gratifying stuff. You've got somebody who was on a, a, a let's say, a lower trajectory and the trajectory that because you've given them some insight and in where they're going, their lives are changed. That's amazing stuff. Wow. So powerful, so powerful what you shared there. And I think a great lesson for, for everybody listening. Talking of lessons in the book, you've got, <laughs> we, we talked about Marty who's the main, the protagonist, the main character there. We've got Chip, who is uh, Marty's uh, mentor, wonderful character you've created there. Who would you consider your mentors in the MSP industry, Dan? Let me just preface this. There's a lot of insight I've gained from many, many people, right? We only stand, if we can stand at a certain level and see something on the mountain, it's only because others have helped get us there. So, um, but that having been, and I came from several, you know, HTG Evolve, and uh, I was fortunate enough to have Arlen as one of my uh, peer groups. And so Arlen was a phenomenal help for me and was patient with me as, you know, he saw me go through some some changes. Um, I've also been fortunate that uh, Brian O'Connell from Service Leadership has also been a very close uh, friend and confidant and, uh, and helped me quite a bit too. But that would be... I, I feel bad singling a couple people and not pointing to every people, but there's been, you know, I've gained so much from so many people. I and very gracious of you to, to mention the, you know, the names that you have, but also to say there's so many other people because people ask me that same question sometimes. And I say, look, I have been the beneficiary of the smartest, most successful people in the industry. And you know what? They gave freely of their time and experience to me. And, I guess for the benefit of listeners, Dan and I have both mentioned HTG, Heartlands Technology Group, or as the kids would call it now, uh, ConnectWise Evolve uh, and things <laughs> like that. So if you're yeah. interested in what we're talking about, the peer group and how it influences uh, people like um, Dan and myself, I did an interview with Dan Scott uh, of uh, IT Nation and ConnectWise Evolve all the way back in uh, Tub Talk 117, I think it was. So we'll include that in the show notes. Go and check that out if you want to know what this mystical htg evolve thing is that we keep mentioning on the show here but yeah. uh yeah you also mentioned you know arlen Sorensen. you and i were introduced by our mutual friend ted halsey of snap tech it and arlen Sorensen, who's one of your mentors one of my mentors as well you know i said the most successful smartest people in the industry have taught me those are two of the names there i've known ted and arlen for a long time. And when they recommend somebody, Dan, I pay attention, which is why it led to us, you and I having the conversation here today. But tell me a bit more, what has the MSP, the managed service provider community meant to you, not just professionally, but personally? You as an MSP or business owner or an MSP business owner, right? And especially from a technical background, um, you, you can feel alone, right? You can feel isolated. You can be overwhelmed. And having others who have, are have at least carry the same burdens they don't maybe don't even have all the answers but they carry the same burden that sense of community is very very helpful and, and life's life's too short to just try and struggle through it by yourself yeah. and it, it's not just limited to the business side of it um but you know just the peers uh, we're humans we we need connection we have emotion we go through we go through life and I think it's important to, to have that. As the owner, you may think that your team and you're a friend of the team, but in truth, they still view you differently and you can feel it. And so having somebody who actually doesn't have that you're their boss, but you've experienced the same thing, that community is really powerful. So I strongly encourage you not to go at it alone and and find those that you know you can you can lean on and they can lean on you because sometimes uh, there's things you know that you need to share 
Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. We have spoke about the managed service community so often on this show. And I hope listeners now realize, you know, this not just me, but so many people, very smart, successful people like Dan and others. You know, this is a unique industry. So if you are not getting out there and getting involved in our community, please do yourself a favor. Go and get involved, the Tech Tribe or CompTIA or HGG, whatever it looks like to you, even a local user group. You know, there's no other industry like the managed service community for for lifting you up and helping you because, as you say, Dan, it can be a lonely gig doing it on your own. Why would you do that to yourself? So true. And then I will say this: sometimes there's a there's the apprehension of, of these are my competitors, and I don't want to give them anything, right? I don't want to, you know, I, why why you know I'm not going to help. And the funny thing is, is if you ever feel like the businesses next to you are really your competitors. Just do a quick assessment of what the real technical market spend would be in your in your marketplace, and and you'll most of us will find that we're a fraction of a percent <laughs> of the really the real IT spend in our, any of our given market. And so we we tend not to be the competitor that we think we are, unless you're in a really really small town and there's only two of you. You know, I get that. But most of us are in larger markets and there's room. There's so much room for most of us. And if we all up our game, there's there's our clients themselves have more technical needs than many of us are supplying. So there, there's a lot of opportunity. Well said. There's more than enough clients out there for all of us people. So let's let's work together on this one. So we, we've talked in this podcast about your book, The Tech Nerd's Guide to Career Success. It's now available on Amazon and other good booksellers as well there. Um, Dan, what's the book that you've most recommended or gifted to other people and, and why would that be? Well, that you know, that's a that's a loaded question because that assumes that everybody I speak with is the same same spot in the journey. <laughs> yeah. So so um I'm going to I'm going to default I'm going to go back to one of the books that kind of made me swerve off the road when I was listening to it on cassette tape. Here we're going old old school again, right? We talked about Navel right? we, we talked talk about NetBuoy, now we're talking cassette. We're talking cassette, not 8 track but cassette. So <laughs> I remember getting um Emith, Michael Gerber's Emith. And to me, that was a just a slap upside the head that became a, a wake up call to that was my first slap upside the head is it's a business. It's not just about me being a, a nerd. And uh, so that is probably the book that I've that I've gifted or recommended the most towards small business owners is that's the first step of, of kind of going back, thinking about systems, thinking about what you're producing, why we're producing it and, and, and how I'm going to go about doing that. Um, I think that's really the, the cornerstone for me. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The E-Myth Revisited by Mark Wagaba, one of the three books that I hold up that were genuinely life-changing for me personally and professionally as yeah. well. Uh, I remember reading in 2003, I'm going to say, and it rocked my world. I actually looked over my shoulder down, similar, probably similar to your reaction, and went, has this guy been been spying on me because he's writing this book about me? Yes. <laughs> I know so many other people have read that book about a similar reaction. So again, for, for newer listeners, if you've not checked out the E-Myth, we'll include it in the show notes. Absolutely phenomenal book that you should go and uh, check out. Thanks for sharing that one, Dan. Agreed. So we, we talked about the book. We've talked a little bit about uh, your background as well. Thank you for sharing so openly and, and honestly. And I, I'm also intrigued. You know, the book is really the tip of the iceberg here. You've also got lots of training and other uh, valuable resources for MSPs and engineers. Tell us a little bit more about what's going on in, in your world in terms of that. Well, so the, the, the company that I, I've started that wraps up this training or this education process is called upskill, just up hyphen skill. And really what I realized is, is I admitted to you that my first pass of the book was more like a manual than a book. <laughs> so I started thinking about all the things, the information that, that we all need to know. It's kind of like the, the manual for success, but not just for a, a, the owner, but for the managers, the people that are the influencers in the organization and the people that are that are doers. Um, the doers are influencers, too. They're influencing clients they are influencing each other. So the, the impact everybody has is significant. And so the whole idea was to 
to give the people the skills and the understanding of what the real thing we're doing here. And then let the ones that have the aptitude pop up and become your next level leader. So the book is kind of an intro to that concept, the study guide to help you take your whole team through these things and talk about a cost effective lift. The book's relatively cheap, a few, you know, a few bucks, a pounds, whatever. And then the manager study guide free if you if you just reach out. I've also created courses on what it is to be a professional. So a service professional, if you have people that are coming into your, your team and they got great tech skills and they got some basic people skills, well, the whole concepts of professionalism, how we're measured and then how we contribute or hurt the business, right? You can help the business. You can hurt the business by your actions. And both of those have, you know, uh, an impact. And at a minimum, we want all our people to do things that don't hurt us. <laughs> right. As you said, don't destroy my margin. If I've got a fixed fee project, you know, don't make it unprofitable for me. If I have a fixed engagement, don't make it unprofitable for me. If I don't, you know, those are the penalties. So let's teach everybody what the penalties are. Let's teach everybody how we score and what the benefits are and at least minimize those things that are killing us and then create a strategic level. There's also a core concepts course, which teaches people the difference between some of the core business models, right? If you're a fixed fee client or a fixed fee um, versus time and materials versus project work or, or recurring, each of those have different levers that need to be adhered to for success. And unfortunately, if you're people making decisions, a manager who's over a pod or a team of people that do all those types of work, but they don't understand which ones, what to do in each scenario. Oh, sorry, my uh, I've got an apple and I've got fireworks going off because I, I moved my hands. You can't see that in, in, in radio. I was going to say, not a good scene for, um, for yeah. podcasts, but what just yeah. happens as Dan and Ooh. I were talking... He must have made a gesture to the screen and a load of fire, virtual fireworks went off in the background. So it, I was going to say it woke me up, not that I was falling asleep, but it gave me a jolt. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. But that's it. It's about teaching the people these basics because we're asking them to make decisions. So there, you know, there's course level to, to that next level. So they understand, you know, why we're driving the KPIs, how we're leveraging culture, the actions that build trust or destroy trust, right? The actions that contribute to margin, the concept of exchanging value and those things. So the coursework is all about getting you all of your people up to being ready to contribute. And then you add how you do things in your business that are unique. This At our company, this is how we do X, Y, and Z. But all my content's based about just giving you stronger, stronger players, stronger contributors. Yeah. And I think it is much needed in our industry as the industry matures, evolves to the next uh, level. So thank you for putting it out there. And thank you for sharing your wisdom with us, Dan. We appreciate it. And I think this is going to be not only the book, but your courses is going to be a big hit with MSPs all over the world. And for the benefit of listeners, we will include everything that we've talked about, you know, the link to the books, uh, not just the uh, not just Dan's book, but the books that we've recommended as well in the show notes. So go to tublog.co.uk for the uh, blog post that accompanies this episode. Um, Dan, as we come to an end here, and it's been absolutely phenomenal, my friend. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I know it took us a while to get to the point where we could sit down and chat for, you know, uh, while being recorded as well. But uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for your time today. Uh, honored and enjoyed the time immensely myself as well. And if anyone listening wants to continue the conversation with you, or indeed wants to find out more about Upskill, the book, anything else, obviously we've got the show notes, but how could they find you directly? Do you, uh, are you on the social medias and things of that nature? Um, I'm a little socially shy. Let's just say it that way. But um, actually just dadams at up-skill.com is a perfect way to do it. Or up-skill.com is the website and you can reach me there. And uh yeah, it's it. Uh, be honored to hear from from you at the same time, even if it's just for the manager study guide, we'll get you set up. So you're receiving those to 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 take your team to that next level. Wonderful. Well, thank you for your time today, Dan. And I'm going to drop a message to Ted and Arlen after this to say thank you for connecting me with what has been one most wonderful guest here. So I really appreciate your time, Dan. Honored again. Thank you, Richard. 
Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.